Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Team Performance, Winning Ways for Uncertain Times. My name is Christian Napier, and I am joined by the illustrious, intelligent brains of the operation, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? So good. I always I feel I feel so uplifted and, and refreshed when you talk so nicely about me. And I am very grateful. And I, I feel the same about you, Christian. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And I love your intelligent and witty and pithy conversation. Well, I'm glad that the feeling is mutual. We both agree that I am amazing. Yes. I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. So true. <laughs> All right. Now, how was your weekend? Are you still in quarantine? Yeah, one week down. So we have one week to go. Quarantine has been so much fun. Gosh, we're, we're working, we're playing games, we're studying, we're listening to books, uh, uh, watching some, some TV, talking to family, just doing a lot of stuff. I, I, it seems like there's, I'm as busy or busier than ever. How about you? I think you're having a lot more fun than I have been having. <laughs> I, I've been playing a lot of ping pong with my daughter. She's actually quite good. And so she's keeping me in shape. We've been just playing games, reading, talking, you know, conversing. It's been good. It's been. Yeah. And for some people, especially who are very socially inclined, this is a challenge. And there is there are reports of an increase in, in depression and just, you know, just people who are, are not feeling great or, or well. Uh, that really brings us, I think, to what we want to talk about today was we are awash in all kinds of negativity right now. We, and, and for, for good reason, I mean, this, this virus has basically stopped the world in its tracks. Many, many people are losing jobs. We have people who are suffering throughout the world and it's, easy to become incapacitated uh, uh, in this kind of environment. And so that really brings us to what we want to talk about today, which is how do we get some positivity <laughs> out of all of this negativity that we're kind of wallowing in here at the moment. So Spencer, what do you think about this? Well, I, I think a lot. And I think that some people are listening to this saying, wait a minute, we need to, we need to focus on, on the negativity. And that is, that is true. We need to be, we need to be wise. We need to be careful. We can't just optim, you know, be optimistic or how, how do we say that positivity our way through things, right. And, and be Pollyanna that's causing people to make uh, some mistakes mistakes as well. I think that, you know, as we look at the, the, the future right now, I mean, April in the United States is going to be uh, a, a tough month. I mean, people are struggling to pay their bills. Many of them are laid off and don't have resources available to them to, to pay their bills. And I know there's a, a stimulus package of $2.2 trillion that is becoming available, but that is, you know, really for each of us, a drop in, in the bucket. And this is going to be a a much longer term uh, impact than than that, and so I think the challenge is is that we have to be aware of how we actually contribute to the crisis, and and I'm not talking about um, you know not social distancing. I'm I'm assuming people who are listening are being wise and listening to medical professionals, and there are many things that we can do. And um, I want to talk about how really this negativity 
causes some of the uh, the challenges that that we're experiencing. Some of the decisions business leaders are making, uh, decisions that individuals are making that impact their personal and and their business lives, and and it it has to do with what psychologists call Christian the negativity bias. What do you think of when you hear this word negativity bias? Well, I think negative thoughts. I hear the word negativity <laughs> uh, and and we're attracted to it. And I think we should say at the outset, I mean, I'll just be completely honest. I'm really looking forward to, to kind of going through this because for me, it's a bit of a catharsis. I'm in this situation. I'm sure you are too. My income is jeopardized by the whole coronavirus situation. I work in major sport events, all those events have been canceled or they've been postponed until next year. And so I look at things and think, okay, what am I going to do for income for the rest of the year? Because, and it's not just me, I've got another full-time employee and two part-time employees. And I think, how do I, how am I going to navigate through all of this? And it's very easy to, to succumb to despair. And, and so I'm really looking forward to our conversation, Spencer, for some tips on how we might overcome that and apply some positivity. You know, I, and I'm in the same boat. I mean, I have my income is being impacted. So it's not like we're sitting here in some ivory tower completely not impacted by the, the coronavirus. And so we have to actually apply what what we're what we're sharing and what we're talking about. Um, so this negativity bias, let's first of all, let's talk about how it shows up. So think about in your in your life, what do you remember most in terms of the lessons learned? Do you do you remember the, the positive experiences? Or do you remember typically more of the failures? Well, it's common practice, I think, or common, I don't know if it's knowledge, but maybe it's a, it's a way of thinking that we learn from our failures uh, more than we learn from our successes. Absolutely. And, and yet we learn from those negative things and we want to hear them. And I'm going to talk about why in just a moment. It is also real that we... Um, when we have conversations, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you're having a conversation maybe in your work with, with people and you might get some negative feedback or some criticism, and yet everything else was good, yet what we focus on from that conversation is the one negative comment. And we remember, I, I think a lot of people will remember more readily one negative thing we heard than, than a whole bunch of positive things, even in, in one conversation. I totally agree that it, it sticks like a little thorn in your heel or something. Exactly. Right? Like it's a pebble in your shoe. It's a small thing, but no matter how comfortable the shoe is, this little pebble is just, it's just irritating me. Well, so here's another, here's another example. Uh, negative news draws more attention than, than good news. So when there's a, you know, breaking news of something bad or catastrophe, the, the news outlets are the ones that rush to, to, to break this story because they know it's going to attract a lot of viewers and a lot of attention, which is what they need for their advertisers. Negative news sells. It's so interesting that you say that because I remember just watching or listen, yeah, I was watching a program, uh, one of the hourly news shows, and you're right. It's all negative, 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 which, and they were sharing important information. And at the end, at the last five minutes of the show, there was a little vignette about uh, some guy who was delivering pizzas to first responders in New York. And it's a beautiful story, right? It's a really positive story. He kept his staff employed. Um, everybody loves the pizzas, blah, blah, blah. 
it's wonderful, but they tack it on at the very end. Yeah, because, well, they want to leave you on this positive note after they've just destroyed your whole life with all this negative things that are going to happen to you, right? So I think maybe that they can feel a little bit better about themselves and giving you all this negative news that you are you and I are consuming for for their financial good. You know, it's important for us to know the negative news. I'm, I'm, but yet there is a phenomenon, and there's a reason why this happens to us. And as I said, psychologists call this a negativity bias, and basically, it's it's something that has a strong influence on our lives. It has a it has an influence on how we actually connect with people. If you've ever heard that, what do we hear about first impressions? And, and you and I haven't really discussed this. We're just we're we're going here off off the cuff. But what have you heard about first impressions and how important they are? Well, the first impression is a lasting impression, right? It's really hard to overcome a bad first impression. That's right. So if you make a poor first impression, it is very, very difficult for people to overcome that because they're going to believe negative things about us more readily than they are going to believe positive things about us. But our brains are designed to basically keep us alive. If you if you know anything about what's, what's called the limbic system, there's the star of the limbic system, which is called the amygdala, or some people call it the amygdala. And that's where we, we have all of our emotional learning and all of our emotional memories. So for example, we will remember negative situations much more readily than positive ones. Those are things that that we will remember. And that's part of what, what the amygdala does. But it's typical that those negative memories are a lot stronger and they influence our, our decisions. They influence how we feel uh, about people. And you know, they influence when people say something to us that may be critical and our feelings are, are hurt and, and they build up. We you know, we'll remember those. For, for example, my wife sometimes will say, because of my bad behavior, she'll say something that's very absolute. And I don't know if, if your significant ever there does this. And she'll say, Spencer, you never, you know, take the initiative to do the dishes. And I'm just throwing something out there that that's not true. But she will say from time to time, because that's what stands out, right? When, when, I, when I fail in my duties, she'll say, you never do this, or you always do that or something like that. And it's not true, but those are the things that tend to, to stick out in our minds because it seems that way. You know what my wife wishes? What does she wish? That I had a British accent. Oh, well, you never speak in a British accent, Christian. And I, and I, and I can't really imitate it very well. So that's my, my huge <laughs> failing in life is that I have... I was born in the wrong place. I should have been born in London or something and had a British accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, dishes I have covered. It's the one thing that I actually do. Okay. with dishes. No, but I fail on the accent. Well, Sunday, you know, I, 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 for example, I was supposed to do them yesterday. I did, honestly didn't do them. I will do them today, but we, <laughs> we're in a lot of rhythm right now sometimes, but we're doing our, we're doing our best. This is something that I help clients focus on on turning around, and we identify those negative thoughts as a saboteur. I love that term saboteur because it causes us to think thoughts and take actions that can actually 
hurt us in terms of, of you know, our, our decision-making and our ability to be successful in relationships and in business. And so we really want to be aware that that, that saboteur sometimes is, is not guiding us in the right direction. Well, I'm curious how the saboteur um, impacts teams and impacts our ability to make effective decisions. If we're listening to the saboteur all the time, what does it do to us? Well, for example, you know, when when we think, oh, gosh, you know, we're we're not going to we have to preserve capital or, or cash, which is true. Uh, we might go to immediately laying off people because, you know, orders are, are dropping instead of thinking, or how can we how can we change or pivot? For example, I, I this last week I spoke with three executive. I did three executive uh, workshops, about three hours in, in length. Um one was a CEO group. The other two were were senior executives. Some of the businesses that I were, was talking to, and they were in Canada and the U.S., uh, were just booming. I mean, they were in manufacturing. They were looking at pivoting and, and creating uh, medical equipment, masks, gowns, that, that sort of thing. So they were pivoting their their manufacturing focus. Um, one had a, a, a you know a factory in China, and they were just really ramping up. Others, for example, uh, like healthcare gyms, you know, people are just not going to the gym for, for good reason. So instead of saying, you know, we've got to lay everybody off, what about figuring out ways to get your, your, uh, you know, your um, healthcare coaches online? And figuring out how to pivot, and you know, I'm, I'm seeing high fitness classes online. I'm seeing Chris Hemsworth, you know Thor, giving you know three hour uh, workouts for for free. But there's ways to to figure out how to to monetize and, and change your approach and do something different to stay in contact with your uh, with your clients because this will end, and it, it it's going to end in not the too distant future. You know how do we figure out how to pivot in, in the short term and and that's one example. And, and obviously, there's a reason for us to have right now our economy being impacted. We want to minimize it as much as possible. We want to be able to ramp it back up very, very quickly. You know, I, I want to talk about how, how powerful the mind is. I, there's, a, there's a book that was that is called In the Garden of Beasts. Have you heard of that book, Christian? I have not. And uh, I just found out yesterday that they're making a movie of it. My wife and I have been reading this. We're almost finished with it. It's fascinating. And it's about uh, the perspective of the Ambassador Dodd from the United States, it, who was uh, posted in Germany in 1932. As you know, that was really the, the rise of uh, the Nazi party and how that whole process happened, which was very gradual, very, very, very interesting story. And so we, we've gotten to about 1934. And basically, um, and Tom Hanks plays Ambassador Dodd. So we're very, very excited about, about seeing this. But how the, the brain thinks about negativity first really impacted Hitler and many of his decisions. And if you remember Heinrich Himmler, who was the head of the SS, um, there was so much paranoia because of all the enemies, the people that were actually resisting the Nazi party's rise. But Himmler one time was driving on his, uh, in his car uh, with his chauffeur and a, and a rock had flown up from, from a truck or something and hit his windshield. And he used that to um, whip up 
fear with Hitler saying, my enemies are attempting to assassinate me. And, and you're, if you recall, the leader of what was called the SA at the time, Ernst Rome, was a friend and an, uh, uh, basically a, a rival, political rival to, to Hitler. He used that fear. To, uh, there was a, a, a wedding ceremony and all Rome's uh, assistants or, or SA people started marching in the streets. And Hitler said, this is it. This is a, a, um, a, a coup. This is a, this is a military coup. We've got we've to squash this now. But that fear caused him to take action. And that's when mass execution started in 1934, just because of a rock hitting a windshield and, and fear and paranoia. Things that crazy things can happen when we are controlled by fear. Now, that's an extreme example, right? Oh, yeah. That's a very um, perverse <laughs> example of the butterfly effect. And yeah. uh, as you're talking about that, um, you know, we've heard from President Trump uh, that we are he is a, he considers himself a wartime president. And in many ways, you know, we've we've heard this uh, term of war being used by people on the front lines. The, the doctors and the nurses, the healthcare providers, the first responders are, are using this term. And that leads me to another war term, which is the fog of war, right? Which, which prevents you from seeing things clearly because you're enshrouded in this, in this fog. And it sounds to me like the negativity, the saboteur can push this fog of war out and really keep us from seeing things as they really are. Let me give you a, a real life example today that's not an extreme of, you know, Nazi Germany or, uh, or New York. So I was talking with a, a friend who is a medical recruiter. And you would think that, you know, that would be uh, uh, something that would be in great need today and, and, and is. However, his business has almost dropped to, to zero because, you know, no one's focusing on hiring right now. But in one case, he actually had a client that was looking for uh, an executive and he found the perfect match. And what was interesting is that this person was used to making a certain amount of money. And the new job that this, uh, this my friend that you know, was um, proposing was about a 50% increase in, in uh, raise in, in pay. And when he approached this, this candidate, this healthcare candidate that was not working, he said, I've got this great opportunity for you with about a 50% increase in pay. And she says, you know, now is not the time to be looking for work. In the midst of this crisis, I can't focus on, on that. That's the kind of attitude or decision making that I'm talking about that causes us really, I mean, this is exactly the type of time we need to be preparing for this thing to end. We need to be looking forward to, to how we're going to get out of this. That is our duty and our responsibility to make decisions that are going to affect our family in positive ways going forward. So Spencer, how do we make those decisions then? How do we elevate ourselves out of this fog of war? You know, we we live in a valley. This valley can sometimes succumb to inversions. And in order to be able to see things, you have to you have to increase your elevation. So you have to go up high enough so that you can get yourself out of the fog and you can see the clear blue skies that are that are overhead. So how do, how do we do this? How do we get out of this fog and see things clearly? So, so great question. And, and just one last comment before I go to that. And that is, this is not just my opinion. You know, th this is, 
this information that I'm sharing with you is based on a lot of psychologists' study and, and research. Two Nobel Prize winning researchers, Kahneman and, and Tversky, basically said that we weigh this negative information in our decision making much more heavily than positive uh, information. And this can cause us to overreact and make the situation worse. So, how do we overcome that and gain that perspective? First of all, we have to stop the negative self-talk, right? We, we focus on what we're learning from the situation. Ask instead of why is this happening? You know, what, you know, what is, how is this going to end? Or, you know, thinking of all the, 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 the worst case scenarios, think about what can I learn? What, what do I need to do differently? How can I, uh, how can I change my perspective and who can I talk to, to help me get, you know, more information or what options do I have and what can I do differently going forward? What, and, and what are you learning and what will you do with this knowledge going forward? So instead of focusing on all the things you don't have, all the things that are wrong, start asking more forward thinking questions. What can I do? How, how what, you know, how, what's going to get me to move forward. What can I be doing right now that will help me when this thing ends? Those negative things are often things that are out of your control. And so the frame of mind that you're talking about there is focusing on things that maybe you can control. What is it that I can do instead of what can't I do, but what can I do? That's right. And and one of the things to get back to the whole saboteur idea, when you hear those negative thoughts, it's like someone is talking in your head. You know, you can't do this. You're you're not going to be successful, or this is going to happen. All these these negative thoughts, and and it's us, right? I mean, it, it it's our those are our own thoughts. But one of the techniques that that a lot of coaches use, and, and what I use, is to name that voice a saboteur, and so actually name it something. You know, it could be Darth Vader, right? For me, I don't know if you remember Water Boy, Adam Sandler's Water Boy. So here is this 30 year old kid, basically, and uh, a little mentally challenged, but he has this hero who's a wrestler and, and his name is um, Captain Insano. Do you remember that, Christian? I actually have never seen the movie Waterboy. <laughs> so I'm Captain, sorry. Captain Insano is this guy that, you know, uh, the Waterboy calls in on his talk show and starts talking to him. And Captain Insano says, Oh, that's so cute. And, you know, how old are you? And he says, I'm 30 years old. And then Captain Insano just starts laughing at him, right? And so he, <laughs> he'll always remember Captain Insano laughing at him and it, you know, it drives him crazy. So I have actually named my negative voice Captain Insano. Captain Insano, that sounds good. For it's kind of funny in our family, we actually have a name for it in the uh, in our family, and it's called the carousel. And um, and so sometimes you can get on this carousel and you just go around and around in circles, worrying about things and fretting about things. Yes. And so you have to do things to kind of get off the carousel. So our our saboteur is called the carousel. Nice. And so, so that the first step is, is to name it, right? And so you, when you realize and recognize that you're on the carousel or that Captain Insano is laughing at you or that, you know, Darth Vader is telling you, you know, you, whatever it is that that's causing this fear, you can then tell it to shut up. You can tell, you know, you can silence that voice as if it was an outside voice, recognize that that is not a helpful uh, conversation that you were having with yourself. All right. So that's a great first step. What about the next step? What else can you do? 
reframe situations. Okay. Tell yourself a different story. We tell ourselves stories. It's very related to this first one, but we tell ourselves stories all the time and we're telling it from, you know, oh my gosh, my, I'm not going to be able to pay, pay my bills. What is a different story we can tell ourselves? And I'm not talking about, again, just focusing on the positive, but in addition to the, those things that were, uh, that we're challenged with, what is a different side of the story? You know, what can we, what can we do differently? So for example, in, in 2015, I was laid off. I was the CEO of, of a company, uh, and, um, and I, I uh, fired because I had a, a vision for the company and, and the owner had a, had a different vision. And, um, so it was like, you know, I, I really didn't have time to focus on the story like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Because I, I had just been coming out of that last recession, so I didn't have a lot of money in the bank. As a matter of fact, I had no money in the bank. It wasn't, what am I going to do now? It was immediately the story I want to tell myself is I have all this great information, all this vision that I had for this company. I am going to now put into my own business. I didn't have capital, but I had great contacts and I had a great product, which, which was me and my training. And I said, okay, what can I do to leverage that to make up for the fact that I don't have capital? And the story was, I have this great asset available to me. And I, I took a, a plan of action. I made a list of everybody that I knew. And I started calling everybody that I knew and say, listen, here's what I'm doing. Who do you know that Mike could benefit from this. I didn't say, Hey, you know, Christian, do you need my help? I would say, who do you know? And they're like, well, tell me more about that. What do you do? And I made a goal to, to, uh, to start off about with about $8,000 in income, uh, gross income a month. That was right out of the gate. We averaged just a little over 8,000 for the first six months that we did that. And it just grew from there. But I focused on what's the story I can tell myself. I have these assets available to me. Don't focus on what I don't have reframe the story into seeing a different side of, of the situation. That's another step that you can take. What do you do, Spencer, to give yourself the strength to do it? I, this happens often in my life. I, I will wake up at two o'clock in the morning with what I think is a great idea and I will stew about it in my sleep for a couple of hours or so. And then when I wake up, I come up with all the reasons it's not going to work. <laughs> and so I just don't do what I was thinking about, which I thought was going to be amazing in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. But then I wake up and reality, quote unquote, sets in and and I just I just don't do it. So what do I, what do I do to kind of get myself over that edge and actually take that step instead of thinking about taking that step, thinking about, Oh yeah, I want to call all these people. All right. Well, that's a great thought, but if you don't act on it, then it's just a thought. So what do you do to turn the thought into action? So, so such a great question. And there are different types of personalities. There are some people that are forever in the planning phase and thinking, all right, what do I need to do? And, and, you know, got to get it perfect before they ever get it started. And, you know, I talk to people all the time who want to do what I do, coach and speak and train. And, and, and I'm saying, great, you've got to start but they're waiting until they get the certification or that, or that, you know, something that's going to give them that confidence. I believe you have to start. And one of the things that I help, I believe helps overcome that analysis paralysis is simplify. I had noticed that when, when I have too many ideas and too much focus, it, 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 
it challenges, uh, I'm too challenged about what do I do and what do I focus on now? Start with something small. So for example, when, um, when I was out of work, the very next day I started my business, I built a website, I have no idea how to do that. And I built a terrible one. It wasn't for a couple of years later, actually a year ago, January, that I was able to actually hire somebody to, to create a professional website. Until that point, I had a website that I created on WordPress that was just clunky, but it got me by. Okay, it wasn't perfect, but what I did was I got on the phone and I started something. I took action. I started with a plan, one plan, one thing that I can control, one thing that I can do now, and that is contact everyone I know and and tell them what I'm doing or tell them, here's what I'm looking for. Who do you know that could maybe help me? I started with, I, I, I narrowed my focus because if you have the, all these great plans and you, you can distract yourself with too many ideas. The second thing that you said is, is that you're afraid that they're not going to work. Well, if you don't execute that plan, you're exactly right. It won't work. So it is doing something is better than, than doing nothing. And what I found is I started acting. Uh, this just brought it to mind a, a saying by uh, General Patton. During World War II, um, you know, as the, as the Allies were were advancing on, on the Germans on on the uh, on the Western Front, you know, he said, "A good plan, violently executed today, is much better than a perfect plan executed next week." You you can't wait until all the conditions are perfect to take action. You have to. You just have to go right away. And you'll learn as you go. It's not going to be perfect, and it's not going to be pretty, and that's going to be hard for certain personality types because they want it to be perfect. They want to know exactly what to say. But here's what I promise you: if you pick up the phone and start calling, you're going to actually gain experience about what works and what doesn't. It's hard for introverts like me. You know, I, I think of myself like. Uh, uh, George McFly and Back to the Future, where he says when he's when Marty McFly is trying to get him to ask Lorraine to the dance, and he's like, I don't know if I can take that kind of rejection. <laughs> and, and so we get we get a little frozen in our in our fear. It's it is true, and and so part of the reframe. Remember, we talked about reframe. Is this my need to be in control, or can I let go of that and just? you know, let go of that perfection and have a conversation that maybe is, maybe it doesn't work out. Okay. But just gain experience. Just tell yourself that story that it's going to be okay. And also recognize that it's going to take you energy. Christian, for you to go out and call strangers is, is going to be harder than somebody that is naturally extroverted and, and good at networking. And so plan for the fact that you can only do it for a certain amount of time. Maybe it, when you're freshest, maybe in the morning, you set a, you block a, a time of, say, from nine to noon, I am going to just grind and make these calls. And then make sure you create some recovery time. You know, I, I don't know make some homemade ice cream like we did yesterday, uh, take a, a short nap or something to help you recover uh, mentally and emotionally, because it will take you mental energy to do that. And, and so plan for that. You need to make homemade ice cream after you're out of quarantine. And this is lifted because I definitely want to try that. We made fresh raspberry and ube. Do you know what that is? I don't know what ube is. What's ube? It's, a, it's, that, it's that purple... Um, beet uh, or i guess it's uh you find it in the philippines and so my son came back from the philippines and i don't know if you've ever had like ube uh, uh taro uh, or taro type of uh, ube um 
boba. That's what I was thinking of. Those, okay. those, those drinks, it's so good, but it's purple and you put it in hollow hollow, which is a type of uh, treat with ice cream and shaved ice and all kinds of sugary uh, uh treats and and it's so we were just having fun so so how fun you know that's the other thing is you got to you asked me what i did this weekend we we focus on what we can control you know we're at home so we're, we're making ice cream we had somebody deliver stuff to us for for the for the fresh ingredients and um you know what just just have fun and and also recognize that you do need to take care of yourself and it's going to take energy um create new habits that's another technique so new habits that include reading good books or listening to great podcasts, listening to great music. I know you love music. So for example, if, if you're feeling negative thoughts or, or they're, they're taking up too much space, turn off the news and turn on some music, right? Turn on some uplifting and positive music, you know, read a great book, um, have a great conversation with a friend that will lift you up and, and just have some, create some more positive thoughts. So that's another step. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the music. Well, maybe we wrap up uh, with this. As we've been talking, I've been thinking I'm a big progressive rock fan and I'm a huge fan of the group Rush, whose drummer Neil Peart passed away from brain cancer earlier this year. Very, very sad about that. Um, but he went through a very difficult time in his life where within the span of roughly 18 months, he, he lost his, um, wife to cancer. He lost his daughter and, uh, he was in despair. And so he basically just ran away for a few years. He went and rode 55,000 kilometers on his motorcycle or something. He just, you know, just took off. And then five years after their last album, he came back and they, they, they did another one of the first uh, first song on the on that album Vapor Trails was called One Little Victory. And that's what you need is just one little victory. And so one of the lyrics in there is the greatest act can be one little victory. If you can Love just that. do one thing to give yourself a little bit of momentum and then you just continue to build on that little bit of a momentum, then before you know it, you're you're uh, running fast. That is fantastic. So I have one last one last strategy. All right, let's hear it. There's more, but we're gonna we're gonna cut this short and save some for next time. But it is um, increase your gratitude. Think about things that you are grateful for in your life, and they can be, um, you know, birth of a child or something significant in in your life. And when you think of that, uh, it will dispel negative negative thoughts practice thinking uh, every day something that you're grateful for ground yourself by you know thinking you know I, I have a I have a roof over my head or you know I have I have food on on the table I you know I have shoes on my feet so I don't have to go out in the cold or the hot with without those think of the little things that sometimes we take for granted and be grateful and that will help shift your energy and focus on those things that that you do have and you know the family that you talked about that you have christian wonderful family that you have around you that helps you to get off that carousel and that's what i would recommend today well that's a great recommendation and on that note i thank you i am grateful for you for sharing and imparting your wisdom with us today spencer if people want to learn more about uh you or get in touch with you how do they do that Go to my website, Altium Leadership, that's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com or email me at spencer 
at altmleadership.com. I'd love to have a conversation just to get to know you. And likewise here, uh, you can visit my website at GP4, that's G-P-F-O-U-R.com or email me at cnapier at gp4.com. Thank you everyone for listening and we look forward to coming back to you next week.